0: E commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits.
1: Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E Commerce Experts.
0: Welcome to the webinar, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we hope to give you as much information as we possibly can over the next. 30 ish minutes give or take um i've got a a great lineup for you today so we've got um one of the members of the team our compliance team with us as well uh so i can't wait to get her involved and answer some of the questions and, and give you some great information as well so here we go so today's presenters so my name's andy um this is part of our successful eu expansion webinar series that we run we run a webinar every wednesday evening Uh, Here in the UK time, which is 5 p.m., I get that um, some people um, will be able to um, be in different time zones to us. That's absolutely fine. Uh, We do it at 5 p.m. UK time because that's a lot of our clients are based in the States and therefore that's sort of morning for you as well. So hopefully I appreciate it's probably not perfect timing for you, but it works really, really well. Uh, Best time that we can do as well. So this is part of a series. Every Wednesday, we have a different webinar. Uh, There's emails that go out about that, so you should be involved in that. Uh, So there is a chat room. So if you've got any questions, you can answer any questions. Thank you to all those that have put uh, questions in there. Uh, That works really, really well. So just put your questions into the chat box, and we'll be able to answer those as we go through. No problems at all. Um, And the last thing is there's an expanders group, GE expanders group. Uh, which is a Facebook private Facebook group for people that have expanded through our services, and it's uh, and you can find it there. We are going live there right now, so you might not want to go on there, but you might want to. If you get a question later, then you could always uh, answer that question. Think of that. I'll put that question, should I say, on the chat in the Facebook, and then that will uh, that will really help that. So uh, that's where we are now. You can see there's two presenters there. So I'm going to uh, open up the other presenter as well, so that they can introduce themselves. Um, I'm just going to unmute Sophie. Sophie, can you hear me?
1: I can indeed. Hello. Yes,
0: that's a result. Excellent. Uh, Sophie, would you just like to introduce yourself to everybody on the uh, on the webinar?
1: Yep. So my name's Sophie. I'm part of the compliance team here at GE, and today I'm going to share some of my knowledge on product labeling and compliance with you today.
0: Excellent, thank you very much, Sophie. So Sophie's gonna join us. Uh, The webinars vary between me and other people. Uh, I'm really trying to get uh, other members of the team involved um, as we go through these series, because uh, number one, you wanna hear from other people, you don't wanna just hear from me. Um, And two, they've got so much knowledge that they can share and help and support you with um, that it's crucial they get on and uh, you can start putting names to faces as well as we go through. So thank you very much, Sophie. I'm looking forward to having your input on this, Uh, so thank you. So, what are we gonna cover? Uh, Really straightforward, Uh, the agenda. So basically, what is labelling, what is required, what are the banned products, food supplements, cosmetic products, and we're gonna go into a little bit about Amazon suspension and, and why you might be suspended because of some of these things. So it's absolutely crucial that you understand why you could be suspended to avoid that. We're going to give you all the information as we go through to really help you. So, product label compliance is sort of the key focus of the topic, but it's really key to understand to make sure you're compliant with the regulations here in the EU. And Sophie's going to go through all of that information in a minute. So you need to know why it's required, when it's required, acquired, and everything else involved in that. Now, why has this come around? So. Sellers quite often say to us, well, Andy, you know, there's people selling my product or a similar product on Amazon right now. Why are they compliant? Well, the reason they are compliant is because they may have put their product in a little while ago. That doesn't mean to say they are compliant. It just means they're currently selling it. And we'll come on to what happens when they get suspended as well. But what we know is, is the training standards who Sophie will talk about later, um, is actively going around. Amazon FBA centers and pulling products off the shelves. There might be a pause on that at the moment, but uh, that's technically what's happening. Um, We know that clients that expand with their US-based labels are not compliant with the regulations. And what's happening now is Amazon, before you upload your new product, is asking for the front and back of the label to make sure that it's compliant and meets the regulations. Now, the other thing to say is that the fulfillment centers are technically gonna be responsible if um, they've they've closed one product down now um, and they find something else on there in the future. And basically, people have been flouting those regulations for years. So it's about time that we clamped down on that and made sure that everybody was compliant. Now, there's three key things to consider. The first of all is, what regulations does your product fall under? The second thing is, what ingredients are in your product that may be compliant and may not be compliant. And the third, excuse me, the third thing is, is what in your um, label needs to be compliant. So what do you need to change on that label to make it compliant? So they're the three key areas we're going to cover, um, and then that'll lead to an understanding of, actually, what you need to do to avoid you being suspended as well. Uh, now, before I go any further, what I do want to say is that I, you know, I hope that everyone's um, staying safe, staying healthy, um, we've seen an absolute mass, uh, increase in the number of supplements being sold at the moment, especially vitamin C and things like that. So, you know, if you're selling those sort of products, this is a great time to be selling those products, but you need to consider, um, all the health implications as well. And it's not a case of just get it and rush it over here. So, uh, that's it from me for a moment. I think, uh, I'm now going to hand to Sophie. Sophie, have I unmuted you still? You have. Excellent. It works still. So Sophie, over to you for a moment.
1: Great, Uh, so there are different product categories that have different labeling requirements. So there are food supplements, medicinal products, cosmetic products, pet products, pesticides, just to name a few. And these products all have a different set of regulations to follow here in the EU and will all require labeling checks. So if you have any of these products, you need to make sure that you're getting these products checked. Can I have the next slide, please, Andy? So there are a number of different regulators that deal with different product categories that I've just mentioned. So in the UK, we have a government service called trading standards. So basically, trading standards are there to make sure that consumers are protected from unfair trading. And what they'll do is they'll walk around warehouses looking at product labels and taking them off the shelves if they're not compliant. So food supplement and cosmetic products have no assigned body that you need to adhere to. But having said that, there is an 800 page document which tells you what is compliant and what's not. Health and safety products might require CE markings and medicinal products are regulated by the MHRA, which is the medicines healthcare regulatory agency. So medicinal products suppliers may need to register to sell medicinal products in the EU and their labels may require authorisation with the MHRA before the product is put on the market. The MHRA is also linked with homeopathic products, herbal medicines committee, the research panel and the VICE's expert committee. So we're going to take a quick dive into the most popular categories today, uh, which is food supplements and cosmetic products. So food supplements, if your product contains a vitamin, mineral or amino acid, that means it's considered a food supplement. So one of the first things you'll need for your food supplement labels is an EU address. So you must have an EU address on your label before you can um, sell it in the EU or the UK. Another thing to consider is the claims. So you have to follow certain rules if you want to make, let's say for example, a nutrition claim, so low fat or a health claim such as help maintain uh, normal bones with calcium. So these claims must be approved and on the claims register in the EU. So if you make any other claims that aren't on the claims register, uh, you can't have it on your product label. You also can't claim or imply that your um, food supplement can treat, prevent or cure any disease or medical condition uh, because that would then be considered a medicinal product even if your product is a food supplement. The next thing to consider is your NRV percentage. So NRV is basically just an abbreviation of nutrient reference value. So there are any NRVs set for 13 vitamins and 14 minerals here in the EU for the purposes of food labelling. So there are EU guidance levels on the daily amount of vitamins or minerals that the average healthy person needs to prevent deficiency. So food supplement labels must list the ingredients included in the product and give the proportion of the NRV percentage that is contained within the supplement. So for example, if your product was to contain 80 milligrams of vitamin C, the nutrient reference value for this would be 100% because 80 milligrams is what an average healthy person needs a day to prevent a vitamin C deficiency. Also note that the NRV in the EU will be different than it is to the US, so that's something to consider when um, expanding to the EU. Another thing to uh, list for the ingredients is allergens. So if you have any allergens, they must be highlighted in the ingredients list. That's really important because trading standards will flag you up for that. One of the things that we get the most is uh, whether your product states food supplement. So I would say about 90% of the labels that get submitted for label compliance with us state dietary supplement. And it seems like a very simple thing that trading standards, again, it must state food supplement, otherwise you will get flagged up for that. You're also required to give a durability indication on your label, and this will be either a used by or best before date, not an expiry date. Another thing to mention is statements and warnings. So there are several statements and warnings that you're required to state on your food supplement label. I'll give you an example of each. So a warning might be uh, a warning not to exceed the amount recommended for daily consumption, And a statement might be a statement to the effect that food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied diet. So you must make sure that you're um, adding the right warnings and statements to your label to make sure that you comply with the EU regulations. You must also provide your units um, as EU units. So, for example, um, in the States, you guys will use ounces and here in the EU, we'll use grams. So you'll need to take that into consideration um, when you're doing your label compliance um, and make sure that you're using the EU units rather than the US units. And last but not least, uh, pictures. So you can only put pictures on your product labels if the product contains the food pictured. Uh, so for example, if you were to have a strawberry on your label, it must contain a strawberry flavor up to 95% or contain some kind of strawberry in there somewhere. Moving on to the cosmetics when you're ready, Andy. So with cosmetics uh, you'll need a responsible person is the first thing and basically the responsible person is just someone uh, who is responsible for your products. Generally that will be the manufacturer or the manufacturer's agent. You'll need to state the name and address of the responsible person on your label and the responsible person must make and keep a product information file for your product as well. Again with claims you can't claim or imply that your product can treat, prevent, or cure any diseases, because this will make it a medicinal product, even if your product is technically a cosmetic product. So any claims that um, are saying that you can treat, sorry, if you can treat, prevent, or cure any disease will be medicinal. The next thing to consider with your cosmetic products is your ingredients. So your ingredients must be identified by their common names which will be listed in the INCI, Uh, it's a very confusing thing, but basically it's just a list of approved ingredients um, which can be used in cosmetics in the EU, so it's just a a list of what's allowed. You must state any precautions required to keep the product in a satisfactory condition, so um, for example, store in a cool cool dry place, you'll need to list things like that. Cosmetic products also require uh, certain symbols. So for example, uh, there's a period after opening symbol, which can be used along with uh, the number of days, months and years that the product will be fit to use after opening. So you need to make sure that you're using these sorts of symbols on your cosmetic products. Last but not least is a batch ID. So basically you'll need a batch or reference number for sufficient identification and traceability, which is required on all cosmetic products. Moving on to the banned ingredients. So different ingredients are banned depending on how they're consumed. So whether your product is a capsule powder, liquid or spray will make a difference to whether your product is compliant in the EU. Some of the more complicated regulations are herbal, organic, gluten-free products from animal origins or products that prevent disease. And these will require additional rules to be followed and can be quite complex. So let's say for example, your product states organic. You will need to meet certain requirements and have proof of this to ensure that you are actually permitted to state this and they probably will check. So here is a list of some of the banned ingredients in food supplements and cosmetic products. If none of your ingredients are on this list, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're compliant. So ingredients can be compliant on their own, but when mixed with other ingredients or provided in doses that are too high, will require further investigation or amendment to comply with the EU regulations. So I think that's it from me. So I'm gonna hand hand back over to Andy when he's
0: ready. Excellent, I was was muted there. So uh, thank you very much, Sophie. Um, Sophie, you've done an amazing job. Thank you very much. Um, I have got some questions, uh, both from me and some of uh, the people that are listening. I'm gonna just uh, go through a couple of those if that's okay. Um, I've got one, one question about um, pictures on labels. Yeah. So, regarding pictures on labels, what about if your picture is a design, not an ingredient, but it's a flower or a person? Now, I, I'm presuming that if it's a flower or a person, a person would be okay, but a flower, it needs to be a flower that is part of an ingredient. Is that what you would think?
1: Yeah,
0: that's correct, yeah. Okay, all right, so uh, Ariel, that's basically where we are with that at the moment. Uh, it would be, you know, you've got to be really careful on the diagram, what that looks like. Um, it's what, what, it, what it's meant to look like. Is it, you know, have I got a design of a strawberry? I use Sophie's example of the strawberry. You know, if I've got an outline of a strawberry, it's still a strawberry. Like, you know, we've got, a, a, you know, if it's a flower, is the meaning of it the flower? If it's just like, a wild patch of flowers just sort of slightly in a design and it's just random and it's not one specific flower that would probably and i use probably be okay but if it's a specific flower like rosemary let's say and you're saying rosemary is yeah, this but it's not actually in the product you couldn't use it happy with that sophie
1: yeah totally agree
0: it's always good for me to check with the uh the, the boss to make sure she's happy with what I'm saying because it's not always the case. I have to make sure. Okay, so Sophie, thank you very much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute you, but you're more than welcome to chip back in if you've got any, anything else. Okay, so let's just talk about Amazon and suspension specifically because there has been a spate of um, clients being suspended uh, around some of these things. Now, not necessarily for their whole store, I would like to add, but more specifically around individual products. So what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll find one product that's unfillable. So, you know, it'd be like, oh, well, you know I'm selling under 10, 100 of these a day. And all of a sudden they're unfillable inventory. And the reason for that is they found that that one product has, um, you know, it's, it's basically not compliant with the regulations. Now, I know what you're going to say because it's what everybody says to me. Yeah, but somebody else is selling it down the road. You know, somebody else is selling it. I know, okay, and I do apologize, but there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, You you can report it to Amazon if you want, that's that's completely up to you. But the reality is is that with millions of products online, they can't do all of them. Um, So, but you will start to find that more and more products start to become unfillable. And that's really what you've got to look to do is, is make sure that your products before they get to that stage, are compliant. So if you're sat there now thinking, I've got products in Amazon, they've got US-based labels on, and they come under um, food supplements, medicinal products, cosmetics, you know, C marked products, they come under any of those things, Amazon is gonna start pulling labels down. Now, it could be as simple as, we had one client come to us uh, for our warehouse, where what they had to do was, they phoned me up and said, Andy, we've got a massive problem. It's a client we already do some, a, a huge amount of work for. They said, uh, our product of DVDs, computer games, is all been pulled by Amazon because they're not compliant with the regulations. And the one thing that they needed to do was have an EU-based address on. So even things that aren't under regulations need an EU-based address on them now. But I would say, categorically, Almost every product that goes in needs a US-based address, um, a UK-based address. A US-based, that's crazy, right? Um, so you need an EU-based address on that product as it goes in. If it doesn't have that, it may well not even get past uh, the front door. So it will go into FBA. They're starting to turn things away when they get to um, you get to start putting them on the shelf. Does it have an EU address? No, unfillable, okay? You've got to make sure that your products have these in. Okay. I'm serious going off on my watch. I have no idea why. I'm sorry. So, you need to make sure that's right. Now, if you've not started selling yet, the advantage stays is, is that you, know, you won't have to pull stock out of Amazon. The disadvantage is before you start selling on Amazon uh, in the EU, then Amazon's going to want you to upload a front and a back of your um, ingredients and your products and you'll upload those, and what Amazon's looking to do is to authorize you before you even start selling, to make sure they don't come um, against any regulations. So it's absolutely key. Uh, okay, we've got a, got a question coming, so I'm just gonna answer this question if everyone's okay with that. Um, apologies, the, the, I'm on the second screen. Anyway, Tim, uh, US-based seller here, so welcome Tim. Uh, this happened with one of our products. After a few weeks, we were able to sell 10 of the units, but the other 30 are stick, stuck in unfillable. Yeah, Tim, so I, I don't know why 10 were all of a sudden released. I can't answer that. Um, but what I, what I would presume by that is that the product isn't compliant with the regulations. It's been pulled down and, they're, and they're, they're saying you can't do that. Now, the best way around that is to create a removal order, bring them out to a uh, third party warehouse. Yes, we have one, there are others available. We'd love to support you. And then basically we can look at the label, and then we can we can change whatever the problem is. Now, if it's a whole label, you know you're going to have to redesign that. If it's just an address, you can remove that. We can put an address on it, and we can send it back in. You know, if it's the whole label that needs doing, you're better off removing that out of Amazon so you don't get long-term storage fees. Putting it on one of our shelves and holding it there, and in the meantime while you're um, you're bringing that across. So it typically, I'm. Um, yeah, when you do a removal order on Amazon, it can take anywhere from two days to two months, um, depending on where your products are around the EU, um, and depending on whether you're just based in the UK or you're in pan EU or anything else. So what you find is, is that actually when you hit that removal order, you can send your labels to our compliance team, we can look at changing those labels and tell you what's not compliant, And therefore, by the time the product actually gets to us, we might have a solution to be able to rewrap that product and send that back out for you. Or you know, if you can't send it back in, because we all know there's some uh, technical issues getting things into FBA because of the uh, virus that's happening at the moment, then actually what you could do is you could then fulfill from our warehouse should you need that. Uh, Hopefully that answers that, Tim. Um, I know that was um, quite long, but hopefully that that answers that. Okay, so uh, that's how to avoid suspension, one don't have products that are not compliant. If they're not compliant, you will find in the very near future, as based on Tim's uh, already, already given us an example, that they will start becoming unfillable. Uh, and it's really, really key that you try and avoid that from happening. The best thing I would suggest uh, is that if you've got say, five, you know, and a good number of units in, okay, what you could do is you could send us the label, we can check it and find out what's compliant, and we're gonna talk through what that looks like in a moment. But you know, we can check that and see what's not compliant, and see if we can add some value there and, and support you. If it's a case of the label being changed, then actually what we need, then might need to do is to remove some stock, keep some stock in there if they're still fulfilling it, keep it in there, but remove some stock, change the others, send it back in, and then hopefully you'll you'll have a a, a lag where you'll be able to get your products back in, which will s- reduce the impact. Um, of you getting um, unfillable inventory because you want to keep you selling in order to keep your um, sales velocity going. All right, so hopefully that's uh, helped with the uh, suspensions. Okay, so labeling, how does it work? So there, there, there's like a three-step process. Um, so if you need support with this, uh, we have a service that can help you. Um, you know, we've got a solution. Uh, Sophie is part of the compliance team and really it's relatively straightforward. So what happens is you would send us a PDF of your labels. Uh, We would need the front and back. Uh, If you have any um, labeling on the box, we would need the labeling on the box also. Um, And any safety data sheets. So you would send that to us. And then Sophie and the compliance team then work through that label. And they're looking to tell you three things. All right. The first one is what regulations they come under. What ingredients are compliant and what ingredients are not compliant or watching which ingredient might need to go away to a consultant for further investigation, and lastly, what you need to change on your label to make it compliant with the regulations. And then after we've done that, you send that to us, um, Sophie then takes that, and then what happens is, is we do the review and then send you the report based on our findings on that initial review, okay? And what we're doing is we're doing that based on all of our knowledge and work that we've done over the last three years with various clients. And what we're doing is we're putting that all together and we've now got a solid system that really, really works. When we first started doing this, we, we had sent everything to external consultants and the process costs thousands. We've now managed to work out our process to keep as much in-house as possible. The downside is, is that if we come across an ingredient in a formula or a um, digestion method that we're not used to, at that point we have to send that away to a further consultant for further investigation. Now, First step is, here's your initial review. What we do is we send you the report back and say, here's the initial review. If you need something to go to a consultant to, to, because it's specific. So given all the different regulations, we can't know everything, unfortunately. So sometimes we have to send things away to further investigation. So what happens is, is we'll do the initial the review and then we would come back to you and say, here's what we found, here's the three things. This one product needs to go away for further investigation, and that's step two. Now, in doing that, when we've done the first step, if there's if you've got products in your in your um, if you've got some ingredients within your product that are banned, then actually there's no point sending that off to the consultant um, because you might have to rework the whole formula, which probably wouldn't work for most people, but some people it may. So what you then got to look at is. Can I then send that off to the consultant? Does it work to send it off to the consultant? You then come back, we give you a quote for that. We'll say it's gonna be an hour, two hours, three hours, however long that's gonna be, and we're gonna give you a quote, and then we might say that's gonna be one to two hours. Um, If we think it's gonna be 10 to 12 hours, then we'll tell you that. Very rarely does that happen. So that's step two. And at that point, we're gonna be able to give you all the information. And then at step three, once you've gone away and redesigned your label, excuse me, you can send that label back to us to review it again at the end, okay? So we can do that for you. Now, that's the three step process into getting it compliant. Now what I would say the first step, 80% of our clients don't need to go to step two, okay? So in the initial review, 80% of our clients get everything they need right from the initial review. Of the 20% that need to go to the consultant, on average, it's two to three hours of additional work per label. So that's what you're looking at, all right? Um, so that's a guide for you to give you a better understanding. So uh, I've got a question coming uh, from Johannes. Hopefully i pronounced that correctly. Uh, do you guys review labels for products of all categories? Okay, so we review products for most categories. Okay, so there are some things that are trickier for us to do, um, but the, if you send us the label, then we can have a look at it. And if it's something that we can't do, then we'll be very upfront and nice with you and tell you you we can't do it. There are certain things around pesticides that we can't do that are really, really difficult. Um, And there are some things in certain animal products we can't do, animal uh, categories we can't do as well. But um, if you send us the label, we'll be able to give you that information, and tell you, and we can work through that. So that's like the three step process. Hopefully that that answers that question for you. I haven't seen any more questions come through. So at that point, I'm gonna say uh, we're done. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really value the, hopefully we've given you plenty of value and information to help you. Um, If you need any help, please get in contact. But overall, from all of us at uh, GEE, please stay safe, please stay healthy. Please look after your families and uh, please basically um, take advice of the governments and stay inside wherever you are in the world. Uh, and look after yourselves and hopefully when we come out of this the other side uh, you're going to all have much stronger businesses um, and are available to be able to sell your products to people in the EU compliantly I might add. Um, So so thank you very much for your time Tim. Yeah thanks very much. Um, Again be well to you too. Uh, That's it from us. Have an amazing day everyone and we look forward to uh, working with you and supporting you uh, in the future. Thank you very much.